This morning's reading is from Luke chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 67. You can find that in the Pew Bibles on page 1027, 1027. And we're reading Zechariah's song. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path of peace. And the child grew up and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. If uh, you were here yesterday on Christmas Day, then you know that um, we congratulated the Webb family on the birth of uh, their, their child. And uh, the birth of a baby is always exciting. Um, Sometimes it's challenging, provides challenges for families, but it's exciting. And, of course, 2021 has been no different to any other year in the history of mankind. Babies have been born, and that's a normal event. That happens all the time, doesn't it? Um, And I guess, you know, apart from the Webb family, others of us in the church family here will have had uh, babies uh, added to our family, whether sons or daughters or grandchildren, um, and that's been great, hasn't it? But I wonder whether, if you know, that's happened in your family or, or you think a long time ago, I wonder whether the, the father, you know, when the baby was just about just a week old or so, whether the father stood up and made a long speech um, saying, you know, what the child was going to grow up to be and to do. I think that's pretty unlikely, really, isn't it? But that's what Zechariah does in this story. Now, if you know the story of uh, Zechariah, you know that Elizabeth and Zechariah were very old and uh, God had uh, appeared to Zechariah or or an angel appeared to Zechariah when he was in the temple and uh, told him that he and Elizabeth was going to conceive and have a child. And uh, Zechariah found that pretty hard to believe. Who wouldn't, you know, when he was an old man and his wife was old. And... uh, as you know, if you know the story, you know that he was then struck dumb and unable to speak. But when uh, Elizabeth became pregnant and eventually gave birth to the son, who was going to be John the Baptist, then they asked Zachariah what his name was going to be, and Zachariah said, well, he wrote it down on a tablet, his name is John. 
and then his uh, mouth, his voice came back, and he was able to, able to speak. And uh, this is something that he said. Now, you might know that uh, if you were here yesterday, as again, you know that uh, Rob spoke about another. But so there is the beginning of Luke. Luke is a historian. Dr. Luke is a historian. He actually recorded three, um, three speeches, really. But it, uh, as, as Janet said, she introduced this reading. She introduced Zachariah's song. Now, of course, those bits in our Bibles, they're not actually words in the Bible. They're just the... the the little headings that the, um, that the Bible translators have put in. So in the NIV, it says Zechariah's song. In fact, in, in the ESV, it talks about Zechariah's prophecy. And if you look, at, you look, there are three songs. There's Zechariah's song, there's Mary's song, and there's Simeon's song. And if you hear, as I say, if you here yesterday, then you know that Rob talked about Simeon's song or Simeon's speech. Um, and if you were really traditional, you know, if you knew traditional church, you'd know that church... Um, certainly in the Church of England, and I guess in lots of other traditional denominations, there are special songs which are part of the service. So in the, in the traditional Book of Common Prayer for Church of England, you have the, the Benedictus in the morning, which is Zachariah's song, Benedictus, because it's praise be to the blessed be the God. And then and in the evening service, you have the Magnificat, which is Mary's song, and then at night time you have the Nunc Dimittis, now let your servant depart in peace, which is Simeon's song. So I think that's where this sort of idea of it being a song has come from, because the church through history has often sung these, these things. But actually, I guess they're speeches, really. Um, and so I may refer to them as songs, but you have to think of it that this was Zachariah giving a speech. Well, anyway, that's quite a long introduction. Let's ask uh, God to help us as we as we look at what Zachariah says in this remarkable speech. So let's just pray together a moment. Heavenly Father, we pray that um, as we look together at, this, uh, at these words that Zachariah spoke um, following the birth of his son, John the Baptist, please help us to learn from it. Would you speak to us and help us to see how they all point to the Lord Jesus? And we ask it in his name. Amen. <clears throat> well, it's... Uh, the 26th of December today, Boxing Day. So I hope uh, you've had a good day yesterday. And I guess, you know, for most of us, there were loads of preparations that we, um, that we did as we prepared for Christmas. Some of those preparations may have gone well. Others, we may be a bit disappointed about how things were. But there were lots of preparations. You know, you may be someone who prepares for Christmas really early. Perhaps you're someone who, who buys the Christmas presents in the January sales, you know, or, um, and others... You know, my, one of my relatives, I used to buy his Christmas present when he came home on Christmas Eve afternoon. So, you know, we, we vary, but we all, there are preparations. Or maybe you've had a family wedding recently, and at a wedding, you've probably had loads of preparations to do, things that started, and they probably started weeks, if not months before. But whether it's a wedding or whether it's Christmas, eventually the day arrives. So <clears throat> with Christmas, you know, Christmas came. And uh, all those preparations, well, they, 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 were, they were done. The wedding, the day arrives. And then, of course, at a wedding, the visitors arrive. The guests all come. And I guess, hopefully, at Christmas, although, you know, it's still been a slightly odd year this year, but at Christmas, too, the visitors arrive. And then if it's a wedding, the visitors, hopefully, they, they bring a present with them, or maybe they've sent a present 
in advance. Or if at Christmas, visitors probably brought presents with them. Um, and that's what we're going to think about uh, as we look at this song. Because in fact, if you think about it, this song, well, we'll see that this song or this speech of Zechariah, it has these three points in it too. It has all about preparation. It has all about visitors coming. And it has something about presence. So we're going to look at those three headings about the preparations, the visitors, and the presence. <clears throat> so during Advent, if you've been here with us at St. Mary's, and we've been doing a lot of thinking about waiting. We've been thinking about waiting. Um, even yesterday, we thought about how Simeon had to wait. And if you remember, Barnaby, who was here, had to wait you know, a long time as he was waiting for that present. Um, it's a time, um, Advent is a time when we were thinking about waiting for Christmas. But it's also not just the time of waiting for Jesus coming the first time, but also thinking about when Jesus came the second time, when we're thinking about when Jesus is going to come the second time for the future. But for the Jewish people, there had been this long, long time of waiting. They'd been waiting for their Messiah, for the King to come. Uh, in the Old Testament part of the Bible, we can see that God had been making, he'd been making incredibly extensive preparations for this. Um, and Zechariah spoke about this in, his, um, in this speech of his. So just look at verses 69 to 75. This is what he said. God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. <clears throat> so way back, way back in the time of Abraham, God had already made promises, promises to Abraham that he would be the father of a great people and that through his descendants, or his descendant, it turned out to be, the whole world would be blessed. And if you know the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets continue to speak about this. They continue to speak about God's promises to rescue the people. And God was preparing the way for rescue. Now, I guess when uh, Zechariah, well, life had been tough in all sorts of times for the Jewish people. Life for them was tough, and they certainly needed rescuing. And at the time of Zechariah, um, you know, there had been enemies all the way through, but at the time of Zechariah, the enemies were the Romans. They were the people who were oppress oppressing the Jewish people. And, of course, many people were looking for a rescuer. I guess as Zechariah spoke these words, he was thinking more of those <clears throat> sort of areas, and he was still thinking in the old Jewish way of God coming to rescue them from their physical um, enemies. But, He's actually saying something which is much more significant than that, as we'll, we'll see. Well, God was keeping his promises. <clears throat> you know, these promises that God had made throughout centuries, all the preparations that were being made, these promises, they were being kept. 
And the final step in the preparations was, um, was to be John the Baptist's responsibility. So look at verse 76. And you, my child, uh, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. <clears throat> so John was to prepare the way for his cousin or his relative Jesus and John were somehow related probably not very closely but they were related in some way and John was to prepare the way for Jesus and way back in in earlier in chapter one when the angel appeared to Zechariah in the temple um, he had uh, he, when Gabriel appeared he'd made that clear again so Zechariah Luke chapter 1 verse 16 says this many of the people of Israel Will he bring back to the Lord their God? So this is talking about, this is the Gabriel telling Zechariah about his son that was going to be born. So he says, many of the people of Israel, be, will, he will bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So that was John the Baptist's uh, task, to be the final person in these preparations that have been going on for decades and decades. Oh, decades, centuries, centuries, long, long time. In the fourth gospel, in, uh, in John's gospel, so that's a different, not the same, not, not John the Baptist, a different John, the Apostle John, he wrote, um, he wrote in chapter 1, verse 19 of John's gospel, that the adult, John the Baptist, during his ministry was asked who he was. And this is what John the Baptist, when he'd grown up and was an adult, he replied that he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah had said. And he recognized, John recognized, that he was following in the line of all the prophets who'd gone before and then a little bit further in John's first chapter, uh, John's Gospel's first chapter, he writes this, The next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, <clears throat> who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. So John was there just completing those preparations that God had put in motion centuries earlier. Although actually, of course, God's plan and preparations have been ongoing from all of eternity. And these were, you know, so John, this was the final preparation, the final preparation for God's perfect plan to rescue humanity. Not quite the way in which the popular Jewish thinkers would have uh, thought or had been expecting, not a dramatic rescue from the Romans, but a much greater rescue, as we see. So that's about preparation, but I said we'd also talk about visitors. <clears throat> so I wonder if you think about, um, you know, if you're thinking just generally about the Christmas story and thinking of the heading of visitors, who do you think about? I mean, I guess you might think about the shepherds, who were visitors who came to see, you know, the baby Jesus just the day he was born. Or you might think about the wise men who came um, and visited the little 
toddler, Jesus, when he was perhaps a year or 18 months old, or we're not quite sure how old, but certainly older than a ba- little baby. But um, Zechariah, in his speech or his song here, he reminds us of a far more significant visitor. So look at verse 68, right at the start of his speech. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has come, or as the ESV translation has, he has visited us and redeemed his people. So what this uh, prophecy of Zechariah does, it recognizes the incredible visit that was about to happen. Again, I don't suppose Zechariah quite realized the significance of what he was saying as he said that because he was thinking more generally that God had come to rescue his people. But actually, what he's saying is that God had actually come and visited. So this cousin or this relative of John, this baby who was born just about six months later, he was actually God himself coming So the great visitor, when we think about Christmas, the great visitor is not the shepherds or the wise men. The visitor is actually Jesus himself. He's the one who's come. He's the one who has come to visit us. And like every good visitor, he's brought presents. He's brought gifts. John the Baptist's role would be to prepare the people to receive this visitor He pointed, as we've uh, seen, to Jesus as the Lamb of God. He pointed to Jesus as the way through which salvation or rescue would come to his people. That rescue, if you look again at verse uh, 71, was from their enemies. But as I've already said, not in the way that people generally thought. God had promised to Abraham that all the nations would be blessed through his descendants, that that God's promise was for the whole world, not just for the people of Israel. The promise and preparations that have been going on all that time to deliver on the promise, it wasn't just for the Israelite nation. The enemies from which uh, God would rescue are far more significant. They're enemies much more global, much more universal, than those physical enemies of the Israelites. The enemies that face us all are things, the things in each of us that make us selfish, that make us want to reject God. And of course, rejecting God just as that enemy the devil has done. And then as verse 78 tells us, that ultimately leads each of us to one day entering the shadow of death. But the good news here in this song or speech of Zechariah is that rescue, rescue has come. So you look at some of the things that Zechariah lists at the end of his song. So he rescues that in, let's, let's look at verses 77 to 79. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. Loads of of gifts, but four just that I'm going to pick out from those verses there. So uh, it talks about forgiveness of sins, 
talks about God's tender mercy. There's a mention of sunrise giving light to those in darkness and in the shadow of death. It says that Jesus comes to bring peace. They're all, they're all amazing gifts, amazing presents, that, and they're really unlike anything that we might give uh, to each other. They're gifts or presents of a completely, completely different category. So let's just very quickly just look again at each of them. So forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift that we can have. Forgiveness for all the times that we mess up. And if we're honest with ourselves, then we'll know that all of us mess up all of the time. And even though we're completely undeserving, and there's nothing that we can do to rescue ourselves, God is merciful and he longs to rescue us. And when we come to him, when we trust in him, when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then it isn't as if we suddenly stop messing up because we carry on messing up even when we become a Christian. But God is merciful to us. His heart is tender towards us. He loves us. If you're a Christian, he loves you even when you mess up because he's merciful. And then as we think about... as we just think about the, uh, the, the sunrise or darkness, well, of course, at this time of year, if you're, um, if you're out driving, it's quite likely um, that you'll be driving at the dark, unless you just drive in those few daylight, relatively few daylight hours that we have at this time of year. And headlights help, but it's just not the same, is it, as driving in the daytime, in the daylight, when you can see so much more of your surroundings. Um, And if you're on a dark country road and there's no moonlight and then your headlights fail, then you're you're really stuck. The AA or the RAC or whoever may come and rescue you uh, and with their strong headlamps, but it's still dark around you. But if the sun was about to rise, (coughs) then you'd see so much more clearly, wouldn't you? And it's a bit like that with God's gift to us. God's gift to us through the Lord Jesus is to rescue us from the darkness, to bring us into light. So the evil, the final death that awaits us all, God will rescue us from that. As Christians, of course, we still face physical death. That sadly is is the case. But God promises rescue from the final separation from him, that final separation which is much worse than even our physical death. God promises to rescue us from that. And he offers us peace. He offers us peace, both at the end of our life and as we live through often difficult and troubled lives. You know, we can be at peace with God. We don't need to be his enemy anymore. And these are all wonderful presents. They're tremendously wonderful presents that we're offered as a result of the coming of Jesus, the visit of Jesus who came to us at this first Christmas. So as we look back at these um, three headings, the preparations, the visitor, or visitors, the visitor, and the presence, then we ought to join Zechariah in giving praise to God. So verse 68 again, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. But especially, I think, we should notice how each of these uh, heading, how each heading is actually focused on the Lord Jesus. Have you, see, have you seen that? 
that all the preparations, all those preparations that have gone on for centuries and centuries throughout eternity, that preparation is all preparing for the Lord Jesus. And if we think about the one who's visited, the visitor is the Lord Jesus. He's the one who's visited. He's the one who is still with us now by his Spirit. And of all the gifts, of all the presents, what, do we, what are we most thankful for? What's the present, the gift that we're most thankful for? Is it for the gift of Jesus himself? Yeah, of course we're thankful for forgiveness. We definitely need that. We're thankful for God's mercy. We're thankful for the fact that we can be rescued from darkness. We're thankful that we're at peace with God. But are we thankful most of all just for the fact that Jesus has been given to us, that we have the Lord Jesus? It's a challenge to us, if you're a Christian, to focus our thanks on him. And we can see this focus in John the Bapti- on Jesus in John the Baptist's ministry. J.C. Ryle, who was the, I think, 19th century first bishop of Liverpool, he wrote very helpfully about, <clears throat> about this in his commentary on John's Gospel. And he noted how John the Baptist testified or pointed to Jesus and that it's only by such testimony that people are converted and saved. So slightly old, old language, but he wrote, it's by exalting Christ, not the church, Christ, not the sacraments, Christ, not the ministry. It's by this means that hearts are moved and sinners are turned to God. Let me just say that again. It's by exalting Christ, not the church, Christ, not the sacraments, Christ, not the ministry, it's by this means that hearts are moved and sinners are turned to God. And, and Bishop Riley also wrote this, those who have done most for Christ's cause in every part of the world have been men like John the Baptist, so people who pointed to Jesus. So he said, they have cried, they have not cried, behold me, look at me. Or they've not cried, behold the church, look at the church, isn't the church great? I haven't cried, behold the ordinances. I don't know, look at the way we do things. But they've cried, behold the Lamb. Look at the Lamb, look at Jesus. He said, if souls are to be saved, men and women must be pointed directly to Christ. So I say this is, this is particularly for those of us who are Christians and are members here at St. Mary's, but I guess if you're visiting us and you're a believer and from a different church, then, then you can apply this to your own church family as well. So as we come to the end of a, another year, and as we look forward with hope to, for the new year, there's one thing that we could resolve as a church to do, as a church family. We could resolve to take this to heart. So good as the welcome might be here at St. Mary's, or good as the music might be, or the church facilities, or the friendship, or the preaching, or the ministry team, good as those all may be or, or may not be, but if they're good, let's not make that our focus. Let's be like uh, John the Baptist, whose focus was to point people 
and introduce people to the Lord Jesus. Let's, let's resolve each of us by God's grace and with his help to do that. Shall we do that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, these words of Zechariah. Thank you that they point us to the immense preparation that went in for the Lord Jesus to come as that visitor who would be given to us as that amazing gift. Please help us to be people like John the Baptist who don't point to all sorts of other things as being the most important, but may our focus be to point people to Jesus. May our hope and our joy be in him. And we pray that in his name. Amen.